possible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. That idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea and then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. That idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, glad to have you with us here on this terrible Tuesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Plenty to talk about, plenty to do. As you know, what a great week of sports here. We had the Chargers-Raiders last night. Obviously, if you're a Raiders fan, it did not go the right way. But uh, it's a great a great game. SoFi Stadium last night. Then we've got boxing coming up this week. Fury Wilder 3 on the horizon Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And Major League Baseball playoffs. Wild card tonight over in the America League. Yankees-Red Sox. That rivalry in a one-and-done situation. you got to love that. Tomorrow night, the National League side, the Dodgers and the Red Hot Cardinals. It's baseball season, so what a sports week. Not just here in Vegas, but just nationally with everything that's going on. NFL concludes week number four. We look ahead to week number five. We got Major League Baseball playoffs, WNBA playoffs, aces in action in the semifinals, do or die game for them tomorrow night. And then, like I said, it's fight week in Las Vegas. All right, well, all that being said, let's talk to the promoter extraordinaire, a very good friend, Top Rank Boxing's Bob Arum. Bob, how you doing, my man? Doing really good, really good. I'm uh, getting all set for the big fight on Saturday. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff leading up to the fight the last week. Uh, but uh, it's created uh, real excitement uh, among fans uh, around the world. Looking forward to it, Bob. All right, let's uh, talk about Fury Wilder 3. You know, we've talked a lot about this, you know, before. Well, actually, every time they fought, the other two times we talked a lot about uh, this fight. And then when we were all set for this thing to to take place going, you know, back earlier in the year, uh, we talked about the postponement and everything. Uh, First and foremost, we know what happened with the champ, Tyson Fury, with COVID-19. How is he doing? How is he feeling? And how is he physically? Well, I, I've never seen him in better physical and mental shape as he is in uh, today and now because he was here in the office uh, in Vegas uh, yesterday and uh, all the Brits uh, news people uh, congregated here and he did about three hours and he was jovial and satisfied with his condition, uh, and he exuded uh, great confidence. So has the postponement uh, affected anything particular for this fight? I don't think so. I mean, Wilder is saying that uh, it gave him more time to train uh, using new techniques he wants to use to avoid the debacle of the last fight. Uh, so he seems happy with the postponement. And as far as uh, Tyson, he went back to England uh, because his sixth child was born uh, while he was there and trained uh, in England uh, and came here uh, about a month ago uh, to resume training. And uh, uh Two of the heavyweights who will be on the sensational pay-per-view undercard uh, trained, uh, sparred with him, uh, and the young guys, and they tell me that he was awesome and his work level was even better than it was in training for the last fight. 
You know, Bob, this is this fight has taken a long and windy road, as you know, from just the negotiation side, uh, whether it's going to be on or off. Then you know the pandemic, and then of course you know Tyson Fury, you know, actually contracting you know COVID, so we had that postponement, and of course you know dealing with the promotional side too, you know, with Wilder's uh, you know people, and you know doing kind of the PBC top rank thing here again. So for you, I mean, you've got to be fi- finally just happy to say man, we're finally going to get this third fight, get it in the ring, because it has taken a long and windy road. It sure has. It sure has. But I think all's well that ends well. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous fight. Uh, you know, it. they all, you know, the the second fight was totally different from their first fight. And whichever way it turns out, I really believe the third fight is going to be different from the first two. So I look for a spectacular night, uh, a really exciting heavyweight championship battle. And listen, everybody who's going to buy the pay-per-view is going to see on the undercard three tremendous heavyweight fights, really tremendous ones. Uh, there's... Uh, 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 Jared Anderson uh, fighting an undefeated Russian. Jared, a lot of people say, is the next great American heavyweight. And then you have uh, Effie, uh, the African, uh, who's undefeated against Frank Sanchez, uh, another uh, undefeated Cuban in another bout. And then uh, the rematch of Helenas and Kawakami, uh, the, which was a sellout the uh, first time in Barclays in Brooklyn, and all three fights are going to be on the pay-per-view undercard. Bob, you got the whole world covered here. I mean, this has to do just smashing numbers. I mean, you got the Ru- you got Russia, you got Cuba, you got Japan, uh, you got you got it all. And who else? In England. Me, I mean, are you kidding me? Let we let got me, everything covered here. Let uh, me tell you, this, this is a <laughs> world championship fight, and it's a world event. And so it's normal now yes. to have participants from all over the world. Look what the NBA is becoming. More and more, you're having fighters, I mean, players uh, from around the world. Uh, participating in the NBA and baseball. Look how many foreign players uh, play in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be a first-class sport, uh, you have talent uh, from all over the world. Now, the one big sport that we have that doesn't is American football. And for that reason... While it's enormously popular here in the United States, American football doesn't resonate around the globe uh, because of the lack of foreign participation. Right. All right. uh, Breaking news here, uh, Bob. So in your, like you said, Tyson Fury is in the office yesterday conducting his interview. Uh, Tyson Fury comes out and says, that he's cut out sex in training for this fight. That's some breaking news there, right? I mean, look, right there in the top rank offices, Tyson Fury is talking about his sex life. Well, they all do. Yeah. They all talk about their sex life. <laughs> some of them say, I don't believe it. I don't believe that abstaining from sex increases my ability. Uh, and that's their belief. And they... They don't abstain, uh, and others uh, abstain for what appears to me, for a young man in his prime, a ridiculously long time. I mean, there have been fighters that have abstained from sex uh, for three and four months. So, you know, like Mickey said in Rocky, remember what Mickey said, Bob? He said, women weaken legs, right? That's what he said. That's what the that's what conventional wisdom was. <laughs> that if you had sex, your legs would 
go weak on you, uh, and they wouldn't be as alive uh, as if you had abstained from sex. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I mean... Thank God I'm not a fighter, so I've never had to upstate. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Bob, Bob never put on the gloves in the middle of the ring, so, you know, there we go. We, we don't know the answer there. Okay. <laughs> Bob Arab joins us, and we talk about Fury Wilder 3 Saturday night. Can hardly wait at T-Mobile Arena. Bob, it's how quickly things can change in perception with the public with one fight, right? Now, the way Fury yeah. dominated Wilder the last time here, how much do you think that that beating and that loss affected Deontay Wilder? I don't know. I, you know, again, I'm not in Wilder's head, and I don't know. Uh, okay, let me ask you. you let, me, know, let me change the question. Let's go from a promotion standpoint with the public. How do you think the public is perceiving this fight when they see the the total domination? Uh, the way Fury responded, then Wilder afterwards saying, we didn't even know if he was even going to get back in the ring. We had the eardrum thing, and then he fired his trainer and all that sort of thing. So how do you think that the the public is, what is their perception about this fight coming up? Well, what the public knows is two things are apparent. One, Tyson Fury is the better, pure fighter. No question about it. Better technique, better boxer. Two, physically, he can uh, uh, overwhelm Wilder because he is naturally the bigger man, so he can bully him. Why the fight is interesting is because Wilder brings a gun with him into the ring. And by that I mean he has the best one punch that any heavyweight that I've ever seen has. He throws a bullet with that right hand, and it can knock anybody cold. Look, remember his fight with Ortiz? Yep. Uh, Ortiz was winning every round, outboxing him. Ortiz is not one of the great boxers, but he was outboxing Wilder. And then, boom, comes the punch. Goodbye, Ortiz. It almost happened in the first fight uh, to Tyson Fury. Right. Fury felt Fury it. Was, yeah, he felt that power. Was, was, was dominating that fight. And then he got hit uh, by uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, and I thought he was as good as dead, you know, that he would never get up. Tyson Fury being Tyson Fury beat the count and wasn't in there just to survive. He then took the fight uh, to Wilder. So, again, uh, Wilder, a fighter like Wilder, is always in there with a big chance. Bob, I think we talked about this before, too. Since the last fight and these guys met, did you have some doubts how much Wilder wanted another fight with Tyson Fury? Never. Never. I always knew, particularly from uh, uh, word, you know, I don't talk to Tyson Fury, but I always knew from what we were hearing from his manager and from uh, Al Heyman's group uh, that he desperately wanted the third fight. How do you see this fight playing out Saturday night, Bob? I have absolutely no friggin' idea. <laughs> and, and it's true no, because of the heavyweight, no. what you just said. You, one punch can happen. The bullet could come in at any point in time. It could come in in the first round. It could come in in the 12th round. Or it could never come in. Yeah, right. And that's what happened in the last fight. And To your point, the first fight, the bullet came in. And Fury thought he was knocked out cold, and the guy rises up and and gets the draw. And like you said, you know, Fury was fantastic leading up to that. Then the bullet never came from Wilder in in the second fight, and it was all Fury. And he got overwhelmed. Exactly. He got, 
Yeah. See, Fury didn't try in the first fight to overwhelm Wilder physically. He boxed him. Right. And he boxed him. I thought he won most of the round. I thought the scoring was ridiculous. But it is what it is. It's past. Uh, and then, of course, he got nailed by that punch. And it looked like it put him out. But somehow, uh, the gypsy in him worked. And he arose from the dead. So, you know, there was a, obviously there's been a lot of talk and, you know, whether it's, you know, Fury's going to fight Anthony Joshua, the Wilder Joshua thing that goes back. And now Anthony Joshua gets upset last week. Thoughts on Alexander Usyk defeating Anthony Joshua. What did you think about that fight? And, and where does this put uh, the heavyweights uh, situation now? See, the truth is, and I, as I told people, including people in my office, I know Usyk. Mm-hmm. I know him very, very well personally, and I've watched him fight. Uh, he is an extraordinarily intelligent boxer. Uh, he's a left-hander, which gives him an advantage. Uh, I knew, or I felt, I didn't know, I felt that Joshua would not match up with him. And Joshua played into Usyk's hands by trying to outbox him. Other than maybe Tyson Fury, there is no heavyweight around who can outbox uh, Alexander Usyk. He's that good. Now, if you're a bigger guy and you have a better punch and so forth, Maybe the way you can beat a new sick is to bully him and uh, move him around. Uh, but if you do that, you run the risk of getting hit uh, by this very accurate puncher uh, with a strong left hand and so forth. And Joshua didn't want to take that risk. Uh, well, I Joshua, doesn't, Joshua doesn't have the best chin in the world, and maybe that was the reason. Uh, I got a beef with you now, Bob. I mean, you didn't tell me that. Why didn't you tell me that? We went to the window. We would have cashed in there, you know? Would have bet on you. Hey, see, see, this is why. <laughs> this is why I your complaint falls on deaf ears. <laughs> did you? Did you call me? To say, Bob, I know you're not promoting the fight, but tell me, how do you see the fight happen? Guil- uh, guilty as charged. You're right. There you go. See, I I, I waited till you know we got closer to this fight to have you back on. See, should have had you on. You know, a couple weeks ago. You're right, my friend. Just just for an opinion. There it is. Not because I had any skin in the game. All right, we're looking forward to Saturday night. Fury Wilder yeah, three. Everybody come out. Uh, We still have some tickets left, not many, but these are the tickets that the Brits would have bought. You know, that was a great thing when Fury fought uh, Wilder the second time. Uh, Half the audience uh, came from from the U.K., uh, and and they're great fans. They sing and everything because of this damn travel ban. Uh, they uh, uh, they 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 can't come for this fight, uh, so that takes uh, for me a big element away. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, we our senators worked on the administration to get the travel ban lifted, and they finally succeeded. But guess what? Not until November first. So it don't help me uh, for Saturday night. All right. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a great crowd. And, again, we're looking forward to oh, the fight. Yeah. No doubt. So, Bob, let's, let's real quick, let's, it's finally happened, too. Congratulations. Uh, Terrence Crawford, Showtime Sean Porter, November 20th, Mandalay Bay, WBO welterweight title. Uh, we've talked a lot about this in the past, too, that uh, kind of another long and windy road. Talk about the process here and uh, why it took so long and, and how you got to promote this fight. And I love it because it's solely a top-ranked promotion, which I love. 
Well, in cooperation with uh, PVC. Mm. I mean, Sean Board is there fighting. Right, right, right. And, but but, but you, you will promotion. be the lead promoter. It, yes. Well, no, we'll be the promoter. It'll be our promotion. Right. But, but they're involved. And we have now, I think, established a very good relationship with PVC. They've been very professional, everything we've done. So hopefully... We'll be getting more and more uh, fights and events uh, in the months and years to come uh, in conjunction with PBC. And, you know, we'll talk with you about this as the fight gets closer on November 20th. But just a quick uh, take on this. Uh, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter, this has the makings of being a, a fantastic fight. Been wanting to see this for a long, long time. How do you think Terrence Crawford fares against a guy like Sean Porter who has that bulldog mentality? And let's be honest, I don't think Crawford is fighting a, a guy like Sean in that in that type of style before. I don't think there's any guy like Sean. Right. Sean is complete pressure. It's like an old-time fighter like Jake LaMotta. Uh, and uh, uh, he's going to give uh, Terrence Hell. That's what makes it such a tremendous uh, event. And, uh, you know, tickets have been on sale just a few days, and people better hurry and get this. I, I think, you know, first of all, Mandalay Bay isn't as big as uh, T Mobile. Um, it seats 11,500. But as of this morning, there are only 2,000 seats left for that fight. So a word to the wise, if you want to be there, you better get the tickets now. Mm, yes, man, looking forward to it. Uh, just a great time in boxing here, especially in Las Vegas. You got the fight Saturday night with Fury Wilder for the heavyweight championship, and then the two, you know, I'll say you're two of the greatest uh, welterweights facing off each, against each other November 20th at the Mandalay Bay. And I know you're not involved in this promotion, but you got Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. I mean, here we go, Bob, three major fights here in Vegas in the next couple months. Right, it's great because... You know, once Canelo, once you do a Canelo fight uh, with a top uh, opponent, it's a major event because Canelo brings so much to the table. I mean, uh, he's like a god uh, among Mexicans. Uh, any fight fan uh, appreciates his ability. Uh, Plant is a very good fighter. It's going to give him a good fight. But I don't think personally there's anybody around uh, that beats uh, Canelo. I agree. Hey, let me leave you with this real quick. Since we're talking about the different fighters, Teofimo Lopez, um, you know, he's talking about that he doesn't want to fight Lomachenko, doesn't want to rematch. I heard him saying that he thinks Josh Taylor is a bigger fight. What is the latest uh, on this? What can you tell us about what is Lopez going to do? Well, first of all, he had this, went to this purse bid, and we had done all his fights, and uh, this outfit that never did a fight uh, made a big bid and won the fight, but then looks like they defaulted putting on the fight. So now you had a guy like Teofimo Lopez, who had uh, made a career statement with a victory over Lomachenko, hasn't had a fight in over a year. And so, you know, that's not good for a fighter. First of all, it's not good for his, uh, his, his development. And secondly, it's terrible for his career. You know, out of sight, out of mind. So hopefully uh, the second promoter, which you uh, second bidder, Matchroom will step up to the plate and put that fight on, and then we'll sit down with uh, Tiafimo, who's obviously our fighter under our promotional contract, and determine what's best for him, what he wants best. And if it's to move up uh, to 140 to fight Taylor, we uh, promote uh, Taylor, uh, and that would be a very big fight, particularly in the United Kingdom. 
So let's see. One step at a time. He's got to get by this uh, fight uh, with Camboza. Uh, once that happens, uh, I'll meet with the Lopez's and we'll plot his next move. Are you still high on Lomachenko, Bob? Yeah, Lomachenko was great. He had an off night. Uh, I think he was suffering from a bad shoulder because he had an operation on the shoulder after the fight. But Lomachenko is a great, great fighter. And I would love to see a Lomachenko-Lopez uh, rematch, but it takes two to tango. And I don't force any of these young men uh, or women uh, to do what they don't want to do. You know, if Lopez says to me, Bob, that's the fight I want them to do uh, with Josh Taylor, I'll do everything in my power to make it happen. Great stuff. Bob has all of those fighters right in the stable, so you can, you can make it happen. Appreciate it. All right, my man. Look forward to seeing you this week. Look forward to seeing you Saturday yep. night at the fight. Can hardly wait, and uh, it'll be another good one. Okay, good talking to you. Take care. There he is. Bob Arum, the legendary promoter extraordinaire, top-ranked boxing, and it is on Saturday night. We'll be there. Looking forward to it. It is Tyson Fury defending against Deontay Wilder, the heavyweight championship of the world. It is Fury Wilder 3. We come back. We talk Major League Baseball as we get ready because we got wild card action. The second season, it starts tonight. Steve Sachs joins us next. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. All right, appreciate Bob Irum joining us, talking Fury Wilder 3. Good stuff there. Oh, yeah. You ain't seen nothing yet. A lot of great fights coming your way here in Vegas, like we talked about. You got Fury Wilder 3 this weekend. We got Plant and Canelo and, of course, Showtime Sean Porter and Terrence Crawford all coming up. So busy week here, of course. And we've got Major League Baseball to talk about. Yes, the second season, the postseason is upon us. Oh, great stuff. You just got to love it. And let's bring in our good friend, the former second baseman, the former two-time World Series champ, the five-time All-Star, the author, as I like to say, because he's the creator of Sacks in the Morning, mm-hmm. the fabulous podcast that's yeah. going on. And of course, you can hear him on, on Sirius XM. 89 MLB Network Radio, the one, the only, Steve Sachs. What is up, my man? TC, I'm, I'm rocking. I, I I was talking to a member of the Quake family. Uh, <laughs> I talked to Quake's brother, and I wanted to ask him what was what was the Quake like growing up, man? Was he was he was he constantly in tremor mode, or you know what what was the Quake really like? And so he gave me a little insight on the Quake. So he did. It was it was, it was very it was an enthralling conversation. <laughs> Steve Sachs, the president of the Earthquake Fan Club, and uh, it, 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 it's it's hard to find the Quake. You know, I mean, Quake loves you. He's, he's a hard guy to find. That's kind of odd. If it's hard, it's it's odd if it's hard to physically not find the Quake. I know. Well, it's kind of like uh, you know, it's kind of like the. Um, you know, what do you call it? The Groundhog Day, you know, when you, 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 that guy goes, you know, yeah. that, that possum or whatever in the hell that thing is, he goes underground yeah. and he peaks up That's true. and he needs another six months of winter or whatever. That's kind of like the quake That's right awesome. now, you know? I guess, I guess go. Quake might be hibernating right now. Hibernating. You know? There is. So, there, there's the word. <laughs> listen, we got we to gotta get, uh, I know your listenership is huge, so we need to have a contest. We need to get 1,000 people uh, within the next few days signed up for sacks in the morning the podcast is off to a blazing start uh and we got so many things planned about sacks in the morning including well i don't want to i don't want to jinx it but there's some there's some unbelievable things in the making for sacks in the morning uh so we need to get your people on there and sign up asap because it will it could benefit them so they need to sign up for sacks in the morning like now Exactly. Well, we know all our listeners love sacks in the morning. There's no question about it. So, yeah. well, so yeah. th- there he is. Okay. Uh, again, where you find your podcast, all major platforms, 
Sacks in the Morning yeah. is there for you. And again, Steve, That's you can right. pl- plug away and tell them how they can find it, man. They, they can go right there and just Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and type in Sacks in the Morning and subscribe. It's free. You're on. And um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, as we speak now, there'll be motivational, inspirational, uh, short stories, short messages before you start your day. That's why we encourage you to listen in the morning. And then uh, we have a special guest once every month on Thursdays that uh, runs the gamut. The, the byline of the podcast is, is uh, Sports, Money, and Life. So we cover everybody. We've had Steve Garvey on. We've had Mike Kowalski, 39 years, the drummer of the Beach Boys. That was a, that was a great conversation with him. And we got a lot of current players that are coming on. Justin Turner, the Dodgers, will be on with us. We got many different guys coming on, uh, you know, on the podcast. So uh, sign up now and um, get on it, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, we love talking about it. We love promoting it. There it is, Sacks in the Morning. Go get it. Listen to it. And again, it's eclectic. Uh, drummer of the Beach Boys, uh, fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you never know who will be on Sacks in the Morning. All right, my friend. The postseason is here. Uh, how excited are yeah. you? The postseason here. Here we I, go, Steve Sachs. Trivia question yeah. for you. Okay, I'm going to jog your memory because, yeah. I mean, your memory is pretty good, okay? What were you doing? Okay. What were you doing on October 2nd, 1978? And I know today's October 5th, but I didn't get a chance to talk to you on October 2nd. So we're, we're a couple days, you know, it's an anniversary. What were you doing yeah. on October 2nd, 1978? Do you remember around 2 o'clock in the afternoon there in West Sacramento? October 7th, 1978, I finished my first year, my first, well, uh, you know, my first season. It wasn't a full year of professional baseball. That's true. And uh, I was back from Lethbridge, Alberta. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm sure I was uh, getting ready to watch the World Series. You probably, you probably remember what happened on this day, my friend. Bucky Dent. Today's Bucky Dent Day. Oh, Okay, it's Bucky Dent Day. I remember that. <laughs> there it is. Now, I'm, I'm looking at Nunchuck yeah. and Earthquake's brother to see if they could queue up Bucky Dent, but he's telling me that he, it's like three minutes long or whatever, so I, I don't. they probably don't have yeah. the home run queued up. But there it is. Yeah, Bucky Dent Day. Well, I mean, we're talking Red Sox-Yankees. We're getting that tonight, and who can forget? Mm-hmm. There it was. What, 43 well, years ago, did man? You know, did you know when he hit that home run, uh, thereafter, there was T-shirts. Uh, all over New England that people were wearing, and the T-shirt simply said three three words on it. It was Bucky blanking dent with a question mark. Right. Yeah. It was – and it was everywhere around New England after he hit that home run. And and I know – Bucky hit, what, three in his life? Right, right, right. And I know that you're a big uh, Ray Donovan fan. If, and they actually named an episode in the last season of Ray Donovan, Bucky Frickin' Dent. That was the name of the episode, and they relived it. It was yeah. classic. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. And you know what was funny thing about this, too, is I asked Bucky Freaking Dent about this because he was my manager, one of my managers when I was with the Yankees. Wow, that's true. So that's right. I got, to, I got to ask him about that, and he said he was the most surprised person in the ballpark. You know, when he hit the home run. But but it was kind of cool to have him as the manager because, you know, I mean, that's the dude that actually hit that home run. And there were probably more iconic home runs, but not in the Northeast. Not in the Northeast there wasn't. That was probably the, the, the biggest one. I, I could still, uh, you know, see that thing. I mean, come on. I mean, he hit it over the Green Monster at Fenway. I, that yeah. thing probably went 315 feet probably. 320 max, right? Right. Right? Now, now do you know who he hit it off of? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I do. Mike Torres. Mike Torres, exactly. That is the key man. Yeah. Stretched by Torres, the set, the kick, and the pitch. Yeah. Hit deep to left field. This one may be off the wall, maybe in the screen. Home run! Home run for Bucky Dent! Home run of the Yankees lead it 3-2. to two. So, there, to your point, Steve, I mean, they weren't even expecting Bucky Dead to hit the homer. The, the announcer's calling it off the wall or off the screen. Yeah. yeah. The, the announcer prefaced by saying, well, there's no way it could go out. So, he says, probably off the wall. Oh, no, it's in the effing screen. <laughs> they were not happy with that. Yeah, that was quite the home run. Now, you know, you talk about iconic home runs. You talk about maybe the one Ted Williams hit in the All-Star game, you know, from Boston, uh, 
And then, of course, the Bucky Dent home run. Right. No, of course you do. Right. And it's right up there with Kirk Gibson that uh, you witnessed, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you can judge, you know, John, uh, Johnny, uh, was it uh, uh, Robbie Thompson? To, oh, no. Well, Robbie Thompson. The, right. right. What was Kirk Bobby Robinson Thompson? The Giants? Bobby the, Thompson. Bobby Thompson. Yeah. Bobby, yeah. Robbie, game. I don't know. Yeah. Rob, uh, Bobby Thompson, the home run that he hit for the Giants. You yeah. can talk about. Mazeroski's home run in 1960 yeah. Yeah. to win the World Series. Uh, you know, there were some, lot, there were a lot of good ones. Hey, you're all in the Giants family there. Bobby Thompson, Robbie Thompson, New York, San Francisco. Yeah, it's, it's all there. Don't worry about right. it. It's right, right, like, right. Bobby, Robbie, Jobby. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, right. hey, before we we get into, I want you to talk talk about tonight's game, then tomorrow's game as well too. But we we got the the breaking news that uh, your boy. Uh, you always want to talk about my boy, the earthquake, or your boy, the earthquake. Uh, maybe a distant relative, Country Joe West, retiring. Now I know that you have oh. you have probably several or many Country Joe West stories. Joe is hanging it up, my friend. I I have to get. Wow. And Numchuck has been sitting here. He goes, we got to talk to Saxy about this. So let's yeah. go, man, Country well, Joe. The only, the only way the world uh, would be happier is if it was Angel Hernandez. Uh, you know, it was, it was, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Country Joe is. Did you know Country Joe was a was a, a a quarterback in college? He was a quarterback in college where he went to school. I'm not sure where he went, but but he was a quarterback in college, and then he was an umpire turned country western singer. So he's done a lot of different things in his life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know how good he's saying, but, you know, if it was anything like the umpire, it probably didn't sell many records. Well, this is actually Country Joe West. Now, let's see if we get a vocal. We got a vocal from Country Joe coming? I think Country Joe got drowned out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and I think many managers uh, was hoping that Country Joe West got drowned out on the diamond a lot too. Yeah, what, what they what they said in the country in in the, in the recording studio is, uh, hey man, just remember one thing, you guys: lots of instrumental, lots of instrumental. <laughs> no, wait, you're going drummer. You're going drummer for the Beach Boys on sax in the morning. I expect Country Joe West to be on the podcast and talk about his musical accomplishments. Uh, well. I don't. I don't know if we're going to stretch the podcast that far, but uh, you know we're going to. I'm happy for him, and you know let him sail into the sunset, right? Because you know he he was uh you know he was one of the guys actually to be to be honest he he thought actually people came to watch him umpire a game. I mean, you know, and they don't do that though. Uh, you know, much to the chagrin of the of these guys, we, we nobody comes to watch him umpire. So you know that's the way it is. A country Joe went to that powerhouse, Elon College, as well as East Carolina. So he he stuck there in the Carolinas. Yeah, and and, and he did he did play football too, right? Yeah, he played football. East Carolina, yeah. there it is. The Pirates. Yeah. Okay. Look at that. Uh, all right. No, do you got a country? Right. You got a country Joe uh, story for us? Did he ever toss you? Uh, I don't know if he ever did. Um, uh, you know, one time I remember we had a fight against the Phillies. And and Country Joe was like in the middle of the fight, you know, swinging people. You know, like he'd come up from behind him and grab him. I remember he threw one guy, and I thought, you know what? If this fat tortoise grabs me, I'm going to hit him with a short right hand, and I'm going to just send him into good night land. I was hoping that that he would grab me because I was going to hit him with a short right and and, a, and then a quick left left hook and just. And just diminish him, but but he never did. You were going to go combo on him. You're going to go combo on yeah. Country Joe. I was, was going to hit him like boom boom, and you know that would have been it for Country Joe. But, but he never did. He never grabbed me. This so. this sounds like a, a wrestling match uh, that got out of hand, like a, a handicap match where wrestlers and, <laughs> yeah. and referees are thrown off like a battle royal. And then here comes Saxy yeah. over the top rope here, and he's going to get delivered to Country Joe. You could have taken him, gouged his eyes, and threw him over the top rope, uh, over the turnbuckle there into the third row. That's what you could have done, or kick, or or I, or I would have kicked him. You know, one of the two, and I had spikes on, so that wouldn't have been good. But that's true. Yeah. I, I, oh, there's sacks uh, off but, the rope with know, a those, drop kick. There it is. When those when those fights happen, it's uh, you know, you just run out. You make sure that nobody's going to get sucker punched, and then you make sure you don't get sucker right. punched. 
that's the main thing. So when I when I ran out there, all I saw was him grabbing somebody and swinging, and I and I was I had my hand ready. If he if he touched me, I was just gonna hit him with the right hand, you know. Because then then he's all game, right? He's game if he's if he's in the fight and he's he's engaging. Then you know what? He can be hit too. So, <laughs> but it never happened. It never happened. There, I, I got a feeling he wasn't like grabbing guys like Greg Lazinski or Mike Schmidt and pulling them off. He was probably going for the smallest guy. He's probably going after our boy Larry no, Ball. No, he, no, he was grabbing guys like Bob Baylor. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 5'9", 140. You know, he was swinging those guys around. Well, and that's what I was going to go know, with. grabbing you the big right, right, that's what I was going to go with you know, with the, the wrestling match, the handicap match. So I thought he'd go after the midgets. He'd go after a little Tokyo or somebody like that. <laughs> <laughs> little Tokyo. Or, or, or the Fanatic. You know, the Philly Fanatic was there. there the, oh, well, yeah. He could have gone after him. Well, Fanatic yeah. was kind of big, though. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot hey, listen, of hey, lumber I, I, there. I, I, is, that, is that what they call them? They call them the midget wrestling. Yeah, yeah, midgets. Yeah, I, I, I used to promote the midgets. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Okay, uh, but 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 nowadays you have to say the the uh, vertically challenged <laughs> matches. You can't say you can't say midgets. You know, because they, they get mad. That's, that's yeah. not correct. I know, I know, but but as you know, I mean, when you look at the program and everything, and they would introduce now it's time for our midgets match. That's right, with a t- one fall and a twenty minute time limit. And in this corner, hailing from Tokyo, Japan, weighing at ninety six pounds, little Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got some old video. Hilarious. You you would love it. Hey, really? I brought those guys to Memorial Auditorium back in the day. I mean, little I had little Tokyo. Kidding? True story. Steve, I had little Tokyo in a battle royal, and I was going to have him win the battle royal because in the beginning of the match, when the the bell sounded, they're all going, they're going after each other, right? Little Tokyo slid underneath the ring and was hiding underneath the ring until it came down. I think it was him and Terry Funk or somebody like that. Yeah, really. Hey, I actually did a wrestling match with uh, Jake the Snake. Yes, yes. Was it that was on my show? Was that that was on my show? Wasn't it? Back in yeah, the day. Yeah, with Jake the Snake. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it, there it, was, it was amazing. Yeah, and you got so, to be so the celebrity little, ring how, announcer, how did, too. How, how did Little Tokyo do? Uh, little Tokyo, well... So all the guys say, you know, you can't have him win the match because it's 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 too unbelievable. So we had him hang around to like 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 three or four guys left, and then he got tossed in like the sixth row. And it was like, so yeah, yeah. So we we I think it was Terry Funk who do, he took him like you know like uh, when you're watching like Olympic powerlifting, you know, like the clean and jerk. So he went with two hands yeah. and then just launched him as high as he could, and we had people catch him in like about the sixth row at the Memorial Auditorium. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, not only there, but we did it in Vegas as well, too. So, yeah, Little Tokyo is wow. my guy. And the best thing about Little Tokyo, Steve, is that before he yeah. got into the ring and immediately when he was done, he'd be lighting up cigarettes. You're kidding. Oh, no, absolutely. That's the thing. Wow. Yeah. So was he, was, he, was he Little Tokyo a good guy? Great guy. One of my all-time favorite guys. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, nice. Yeah. I like to hear that. Yeah, and he, and I like he, to hear that. And he wrestled, right. he wrestled into his early 60s, by the way. Oh wow! Yeah, is he, is he still around? Uh, no, I, he he's passed now. But yeah, he passed. Okay, but uh, right. yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. There we go. So you got you got, you got midget res- we got midget wrestling today covered. We got Bob Arum talking about Tyson Fury gave up sex uh, during training camp for his big fight, and we've got sex in the morning. I mean, we we got it all here. Yeah, I mean, we've hit it all. We do. We do. And, and, we, and we covered uh, Country Joe. Hey, Country Joe West, hey, it is his non-singing <laughs> career. All right, man. T- tonight. <laughs> it's uh, instrumental. Yeah, exactly. Garrett Cole against Nathan Evaldi tonight. One and done. First uh-huh. of all, are you a fan of this? We play. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to. I guess I'm going to lead you into my, my thing. You know where I stand on this. I want your take. We play 162 mm-hmm. games. Okay. Baseball. Yeah. I'm a traditionalist just like you are, right? It's a, it's made of series. It's a series thing. Four out of seven. I'm okay with three out of five. We don't even have two out of threes. You know what I'm saying? Why are we doing this one and done situation? Are you a fan of playing for six straight months and then it could all be over in one night? Well, of course not. I'm not a fan of that. You know me. I'm a traditionalist as well. I don't like that. Um, but here's the deal. If you stretch these things out, you're going to be playing around Thanksgiving time. And already they're saying, well, you play 162, and then you have you know, 30 spring training games, and then pretty soon you're into 200 games a year, and then it can go down to you know, almost to Thanksgiving. We just can't do it. Okay, so why not two out of three then? Two out of three. Yeah, that's, that's good. That, that's good, yeah. Because or, we you, play, know, you play three-game series all the time, all year round, so why yeah. not two out yeah. of three? Right. 
You know, it used to be, it used to be the, you know, whoever won, you know, the, the East and the West of the American League had a, had a playoff and then they went to the World Series. Right. And the same thing in the National League. But now there's so many teams. Uh, it would actually make it easier if they, if they added a couple more cities and then you, they wouldn't have to have a need for the wild card. You know, you just play them straight across and be an even number of teams and that'd be easier. But we don't have that right now. All right. Uh, Yankees, Red Sox tonight. What do you think? Uh, I like it. Uh, you know, the Yankees have been really hot against the Red Sox lately. I think they've won the last seven. Uh, uh, Red Sox dominated early. Uh, Garrett Cole hasn't really been himself, hasn't been Garrett Cole uh, in his last three starts. Uh, but I don't think all that matters. I don't, I don't think anything matters like, like Garrett Cole hasn't been great. Okay, well, you know what? This is a whole new season now when you're talking about postseason. Nathan Eovaldi has been really good uh, this year. He's been, you know, the ace of the team. But, you know, I like the Yankees tonight. I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, the team was really searching. <laughs> this is kind of crazy to say. The team was really searching for an identity this year because it wasn't one thing that did it. It wasn't just the pitching staff. Uh, they were good for a while. Uh, then, of course, it was the, the guys that could bomb the ball out of the ballpark. They were good for a while. And then it just kind of went back and forth. There was not one thing that you could put your finger on that said, this is, this is the way the Yankees win. Now, the Red Sox, on the other hand, not a really good pitching performances throughout the course of the season, but they would just get into slugfest with everybody. They, they liked games when they won 11-9. That, that was kind of the way the Red Sox did it this year. So we know what the Red Sox are about. We don't know what's going to come about with the Yankees, though. Both teams very streaky during the course of this season, and uh, it comes yeah. down to a one-and-done situation tonight. Tomorrow, the hottest team to close the season, the St. Louis Cardinals. They're going to send Adam Wainwright, and we had a Wainwright sighting this year. That was kind of strange. 17-7, and seven, solid season, yeah. and he goes against Max Scherzer tomorrow night at Chavez Ravine. Scherzer, 14-5, and five, but he has not closed the season well here tonight. Um, talk a little bit about this, and then we've got... You know, we got injuries too. We got injuries with DJ LeMahieu, yep. with the Yankees. Max Muncy gets hurt on the the final yep. day of the, of the regular season here, and the Dodgers are going to be missing Muncy. They're going to miss his thirty six yep. homers, his ninety four RBIs, and mm-hmm. his eighty three uh, yep. walks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. That's a that's a, that's going to hurt them. But remember, the Dodgers are probably the deepest team in all of baseball. They will find a way to cover. They'll have their former uh, MVP over there, probably Cody Bellinger. Uh, or you may get uh, you may get Pujols over there, who's got more experience and, and home runs than anybody. So I, I think they'll be okay with that. The Dodgers have a tremendous amount of depth uh, on their team, uh, so I'm not uh, completely worried about that. Uh, on the other hand, when you see what, what's happening with uh, the Yankees, DJ LeMahieu really didn't have his star quality season this year. I think he hit around 270. It wasn't the uh, you know league leading uh, RBI or, or average that he usually is in the, in the hunt for. He's won a couple of batting titles, phenomenal hitter, uh, and he's going to be out. But, uh, you know, they kind of did it without the full star quality of D.J. LeMahieu this year. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's, it's going to be two great uh, games, I think. I wouldn't want to bet against the Dodgers, and I wouldn't want to bet against the Yankees. All right, tough stuff, man. Uh, one and done. It could be all over for the Dodgers having a great season, 100-plus wins, and it could be over in one night. I mean, that's that's sad. But, hey, that's the state of uh, today's Major League Baseball, now, right? Yes, and if it, wasn't any, if it was anybody else except uh, Max Scherzer, I would say you have to give a lot of weight to how hot the St. Louis Cardinals are, and I, I do understand that. But Max Scherzer is different than everybody else. He, he really is. He is. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He, he's getting better, it seems, with age. He, this is a guy that's a, a bulldog. He stalks the hitters. And, you know, if there's anybody you want to be in a foxhole with, this is the guy you want to be in a foxhole with right here. He's got that kind of bulldog mentality that uh, – He's got an undeniable spirit, and, and uh, that goes a long way today. You got it. All right, my man. We will talk to you more about this next week, but a uh, real quick prediction because this series is going to start on Thursday. White Sox and Astros, who wins how many games? Uh, I, think the, I think the White Sox are going to win that. I hate to go against Dusty. I'm just not anything to do with Dusty. Uh, I picked the White Sox to go to, uh, to the World Series. Now, the first round is what? Best of five? Three out of five, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I got to think the, uh, the White Sox, 
are probably a little bit better. So I'm going to take them because of their pitching. Well, that's going to hurt me, Steve Sachs, because I already got my trip planned for games three, four, and five of the ALCS (laughs) to go back to Houston. So now now Steve Sachs is is ruining my my, my trip to Houston uh, for two weeks. I'm picking the the White Sox and Dodgers to be in the World Series this year. So that's my pick. That was my pick at the start of this year. So I'm staying with it. Atlanta, Milwaukee, who wins? I got Atlanta. I think Atlanta will win that. Yep. Right. They got too much firepower in there. And Atlanta's missing Devin Williams in the eighth inning. He's not going to be there. Broken left hand, he'll be out. I'm, I'm picking Atlanta. Yeah, let's go celebrate. Let's go celebrate afterwards. Yeah, let's have a good time. Oh, yeah, and break, and break your pitching hand. Not just your hand, your yeah. pitching hand. That's nice. That's tough. Yeah. Yes, that's a tough thing to do, and he was too important. So. <laughs> I don't right. think they're going to win. All right, brother. All right, we'll let you uh, go get back and uh, go ahead and we'll let you finish your phone call with uh, Country Joe West and, <laughs> and go ahead yeah. and, and uh, you guys can uh, exchange some musical uh, savantness. How's that? Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to get back to that. Thanks a lot, PC. Right, Sacks in the man. morning. Go get signed up for Sacks in the morning wherever you find your podcast. It's fantastic. It's enlightening. It's fun. And uh, just uh, it, it's always fun with Steve Sacks, whether it's here or it's Sacks in the morning. So check it all out. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Be all back. right. Talk to you later. There is Steve Sacks, the former two-time World Series champion, the five-time All-Star, and does a fantastic job with his podcast, Sacks in the Morning. And you can catch him on MLB Network Radio, Sirius XM 89. All right. I will not be here tomorrow. See when Chris Wynn will be stepping in because I will be in Phoenix. And Nunchuck may be taking the day off as well, too. So there you go. But stay tuned. Uh, Thursday, TBA and Aces against the Mercury tomorrow night. So I'll be on that radio call. So the game will be televised by ESPN. If you want to hear the radio call, you know where to go down the dial. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Pre-game show at 630 tomorrow night. And the tip-off at 7 o'clock is do or die for the Aces as they take on the Mercury in the WNBA semifinals. So I will be off tomorrow and uh, back possibly Thursday, definitely Friday, though, at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. Be ready for our Best Bets segment Come on, see the show live. Mike Pritchard. Pritch will be joining us, uh, part of the show, on Friday as well, too, at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Have yourself a good one. You missed any part of the show. Of course, you know where to go. 